0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Bald move Prestige movie. And boy, uh, we've got a we got an overlooked gem, I think, for you today. It's uh, The Gangs of New York, a two thousand two historical gangster movie. Believe it or not, by one Martin Scorsese. Uh, this is celebrating its twentieth anniversary this December, so it's kind of an appropriate time to to to, to check this out. This was the uh, project upvoted the most by our uh, our Patreon executive producers. Uh, It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio. It's got and we know, you know, we don't have to talk about, uh, you know, Titanic, Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) Everyone knows that Daniel Day-Lewis, who is a bald move favorite, who, you know, we've seen him in a bunch of stuff. We've covered a lot of his movies. I think we're trying to collect them all. Uh, Most recently, we did The Phantom Thread. You can check that out in our archives. Cameron Diaz is in this movie. I love how myopic like, the, uh, her prime.
1: Uh, I love how myopic the the statement of Daniel Day Lewis, a bald move favorite, is. <laughs> As if Daniel Day Lewis isn't the favorite actor of most people, but yeah,
0: you know he's uh, <laughs> he's he's underrated, I think, and right. doesn't get his his full due. But here on Bald Move, we stand. Yeah, uh, Jim Broadbent. Is in this movie. We've seen him as the uh, the, the ringleader in Moulin Rouge, uh, Cloud Atlas. Uh, Game of Thrones fans will recognize him as Archmaster Ebros from the last uh, two seasons of uh, Game of Thrones. And he's also Professor Slughorn on uh, the Harry Potter franchise. John C. Riley is in this movie. Uh, you've probably seen him in Boogie Night, Chicago, Walk Hard, Step Brothers. He's a funny guy in a serious film. Liam Neeson. We know Liam Neeson. Qui Wanted the gray uh etc rob roy brendan gleason uh who was also a harry potter alum being mad eye moody he's also in 28 days later in bruges is it bruges or bruges i think it, it's bruges probably bruges it's my guess seems like a type of type of language would drop to s mm-hmm. uh gary lewis well who i guess is currently having a run in outlander uh, my wife's a big fan of, of uh, that work stephen graham very early Stephen Graham work. Uh, we felt kind of became enamored with him, uh, with his take on Al Capone and boardwalk empire. And speaking of another HBO, great Lawrence Gilliard jr. This was, he must've shot this the year before the, the, he shot the wire because the wire came out in 2002 as well. Celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Of course, he's also in the walking dead. Jim, I watched this movie because of you. Uh, I, I, I kind of was a fan of Martin Scorsese's work, Scorsese's work. But um, I remember when this came out, I wasn't watching rated R movies much, but uh, like it just looked goofy. like <laughs> For sure. Like, yeah, you see the commercials and it's like these these weird guys and top hats. It looks like some kind of Dungeons and Dragons, steampunk Sweeney Todd adventure. I'm like mm-hmm. with this and it, it, the, the reputation behind it was like, oh. Martin Scorsese, he's let the fame go to his head. He's he's over budget. He's this is his water world. This is his whatever, you know, Um, and and I so I completely wrote it off and we were talking about his films and you said, you know, what I really enjoyed is the gangs in New York. And I'm like, no fucking shit. And I watched it like the week after you told me that and I was completely blown away. I don't know that this is his best movie. In fact, I it's 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 probably not. Nah but I think it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite of Martin Scorsese. Wow. Films. Okay. Th- that's cool. You see,
1: I don't remember actually telling you anything about this movie. I didn't remember much about this movie at all. Um, it it must've been like a long ass time ago that I said, Hey,
0: I really enjoyed it. Oh, no, movie. it was, yeah, it was like it, it, towards the beginning of the bald move experiment, I believe.
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause boy, I could not have told you much about this movie at all. Other than Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel day Lewis are in it. Um, But yeah, the rewatching it again, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, it's not my favorite Scorsese movie. It's definitely, I think pretty objectively not his best. I think there are some clunky things about it. Um, but I also find it immensely watchable in the way that Scorsese films are, you know, he, this is a man who lives in sort of the underworld, right? And this is, fits perfectly within that repertoire, um, It's just replace the Italians with the Irish and you pretty much got your movie. Uh, And it's I think it's trying to, like, say something bigger about um, America and about history and people in general, which I I don't know that his movies always do that. Sometimes his movies are Mm -hmm. just like crazy stories. Right. (laughs) Like, you you know, there's always that element of like somebody is kind of oblivious to the danger they're living in or, or like rolling too much with the good times and not seeing the brick wall that's coming. But here it feels bigger than that. And that's kind of the, the, the major thing I come away with on a second watch appreciating.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I, I, I as everyone knows, I, I admire Roger Ebert a lot and I was reading his review and I thought it was amazing some of the quotes from this movie where it's like he, he gave us a three and a half star review. And uh, his, his final, I think, uh, his second to last paragraph is this movie is straightforward in its cynicism about democracy at the time. Tammany Hall buys and sells votes. Ethnic groups are delivered by their leaders. And when the wrong man is elected sheriff, he does not serve wrong for long. That American democracy emerged from this cauldron is miraculous. We put the founding fathers in our money, but these founding crooks for a long time held sway. I feel like that is such a complacent quote, like, oh, this is stuff that we dealt with and we'll never, you know, we don't have to worry about this kind right. of corruption, this kind of divisiveness, this kind of like open, you know, and it's it's funny 20 years later to see like this, like bedrock of faith in like the system and how it's going to work. And, you know, where our democracy is pretty much unfuckwithable and stuff. Um, and that's the yeah, I've watched this movie three times. Um and I think this is the fourth time I've watched it. And I just keep on seeing, like, my God, because that's the thing. It's funny you say replace the Italians with the uh, the Irish, because I feel like this is one of those quintessentially American stories where it's yeah. just a cycle of, like, everyone that's come to this continent has been hated by the people that got there first. Right. Uh, before them, like you know, with without any kind of irony, like you uh-huh. know, I got here and the doors slam and shut, and that's one of his big themes too. It's like, um, you know, in, in a lot of the the gangster movies, it's like, um, yeah, they 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 admit that they're doing wrong things, or doing immoral things, but it's like, you know, the the big shots do it worse. You know, we're just trying to get in where we fit in. If it was left to the powers of B, we'd have nothing. Um, But then also these those those crook kind of pulling up the ladder behind them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than than that stuff, the 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 cyclical nature of like how we as a country can't stop hating on immigrants and and making their lives uh, hell. I think it's also just a really compelling story. It's Shakespearean in like it's it's big arcs and the relationships. It's also I think some of Scorsese's darkest work. I mean, there's some that's saying a lot right there's some repugnant shit that happens in this film uh it's also and i haven't seen every one of his i especially like passion of the christ and stuff like that it's kind of controversial so but i also think it's kind of one of his more romantic slash erotic films too okay yeah
1: yeah i could see that you know that the relationship between leo and cameron diaz yeah gets steamy
0: yeah it's steamy and and and, and again it's like uh uh it's a far cry from uh Joe Pesci just grabbing some blonde ha- uh, hair and, like like right down to the crotch after I told you about my <laughs> right. veal, you know, like there's, right. there's so there's some romance. There's some, there's some genuine emotion. So, and I just feel like for a movie that's three hours long, this feels like a 90 minute movie to me because it just like, just pops right along and everything is just relentlessly fascinating. Yeah, um, for sure.
1: Um, and this movie has like a, when you think the movie could be coming to an end, it has like a surprise third act. Uh, right. It, after I won't spoil anything yet. We'll get to spoilers here in a minute. But yeah, there's definitely like another hour of this movie after you think, Oh, this movie is almost over. Mm-hmm. Um it, But it doesn't feel like it. It's like, okay, well this is part of the story that after the events I saw needs to happen uh, f- for me to feel good about the movie. and and yeah like saying what you said about like you know the the history of america and the repeated mistakes and stuff this movie also gave me like a sense of calm a bit about that because i see the patterns that we are currently falling back into um all around us nowadays um it reflected in this movie both in like the views when it was made 20 years ago but also the the events that happened 150 years ago, 160 years ago. And I think, okay, well, these patterns are just repeating. And we've consistently, I think, gotten better and better at things. And so if these patterns continue to repeat, but maybe in like diminished respect um, to to the way they went previously, maybe we can actually make some progress here. It gave me a strange sense of hope coming out of this movie. Just seeing that this is not something new. This is, I'm
0: I'm not living through extraordinary times. It's simply the way that things go. Right. And it's like, um, these are aftershocks of events like, uh, you know, slavery and the civil war. Yeah. Um, but they like, like a lot of aftershocks do they diminish like it, 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 it's, they, they flare up and it gets bad and the buildings start rumbling, but they're just shaking a little bit less because, you know, when you see this, um, there's a, gosh, the spoilers, Right. Um if there is this amount of unrest during like the Vietnam War draft, I don't think we could fucking believe it. Like right. that that's the thing that I thought was really interesting about this film is seeing how bad it got. And there's a lot of historical kind of uh, fancies that the Scorsese takes in this movie. But the core of it, you know, the the corruption, the subversion of democracy, the turning there's this great quote about uh, from Boss Tweed about uh, you can always rely on hiring one half the poor to kill the other. That is yeah. just like, as far as I can tell, will be eternally true or it's a lesson that has to be learned generationally, you know? Um, yeah. Before you can get any kind of solidarity built towards, because I, you know, like, that's the thing is you watch this movie, and you see all these white people that fucking hate each other and want to kill each other over the opportunities there. And, and think about like that in terms of all different racial groups repeating But like those are the same people that eventually got together to fight for a lot of workers' rights and advancements in the in the 20s, 1920s. So somehow these people in 50, 60 years went from killing each other and oppressing each other and hating each other to working together arm in arm against, you know, the corrupt uh, government institutions at the time to claw back a little uh, personal power and send us on one of the longest progressive arcs of the country. So I felt the same way. Like this is a calming effect. Like, well, shit uh, naval vessels are not bombarding our great cities to, Mm. (laughs) you know, to quell desperate riots. Like things, things have been worse.
1: Yeah. No, I, I also see like the, the evolution of, of that concept of like, you can always pay one half of the, uh, poor to kill the other half. I, nowadays we do it a little different. What we do is we steal from one half of the poor in order for them Mm. to turn against the other half and kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you can make you can make profit on both ends of that equation, right? <laughs> like, right. We we have evolved that, and that's where I see like a, a little glimmer of like eh, I, mm, I I have hope because I see the patterns repeating. But are we just getting better at like controlling the violence, controlling the the populace, essentially? Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
0: And you also can't get to. Um american-centric because we've got our own problems sure. but every once in a while the fucking world pops off you know yeah uh world war one world war two didn't really have anything to do with our aftershocks that was aftershocks of a like they kind of allude to a thousand years of european conflict uh mm. in this movie so like it's not necessarily we're in the driver's seat for for how the world goes but uh um getting back to the art um i think this is Man, this has got to be the most designed, produced, or designed movie of Scorsese's. Again, I haven't sure. seen everything, but I can't imagine. You know, the sets, the construction alone that went on in this movie is legendary. It's one of the things that kept it from like you know massively over budget. Ah, uh, the cast, the costuming. Um, they he really sweat the details. The music. Uh, this feels like such a rock solid period piece. Um, I really admire it. and. The performances, you got, you got some world-class actors and Scorsese sets them up with some really, really tasty soliloquies and and speeches and, and uh, meaty parts where they can really, you know, uh, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is a fucking crazy bastard in this film. Yeah. It's kind of incredible. And it's funny because he plays this like virulently racist uh, Lincoln hating, like he throws a knife at an effigy of Lincoln. And then exactly 10 years later to the day. He will be Abraham Lincoln in the movie Lincoln. Uh, I thought that was because right. you know I, that's it's it's, it's interesting irony when I looked up the, the chronology of that. Um, have you seen Lincoln? I haven't. No. Yeah, I want to nominate that for a, a prestige movie soon because again, I'm trying to collect all those Daniel Day Lewis uh, films. But um, yeah, there's
1: like three anyway. I haven't seen: Age of Innocence, Lincoln, and that's yeah, I think one
0: more. I think there's, I think, was is there like my left foot or something? Yes. I don't think I've yeah. seen that either. That's the I one. Think I think I'm down to just two. Uh, so yeah, that'd be nice to, to fill in that uh, into my collection as well. Yeah. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about in pre, preamble or should we get on with the show here? Uh, Let's get on with the show.
1: Here's what's new in premium content for our club members
0: this week jim's away so the producer will play that's right it's time for another fabulous lunch with talitha and aaron not only do we have an alternate host lineup we also are doing it on an alternate day lunch will be served on wednesday all that plus the usual bullshit for me served live or catch the podcast version out later that day
1: we're about a month out from the kickoff of badass fest six so get your tickets now while available at baldmove.com live Come watch an outrageously badass mystery film with us. Grab another snack and beverage from the theater's fully stocked bar. Then get back in your seat for a live recording of the accompanying podcast. Get more info and tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you
0: want more bald move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content. Plus, ad free feeds. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast.
1: The community loves it because it often leads to fun, fan-favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve.
0: And we love it because we're constantly exposed to
1: great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on Commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the
0: thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated bald move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat
1: yourself. Check out support.baldnew.com for more info. All
0: right. Uh, if you haven't seen Gangs of New York, the premise is this is in the early stages of the Civil War. Uh, just after the Irish famine, there is approximately, I think, 15,000 Irishmen and women coming to our shores each each week. And boy, let me tell you, it's a fucking problem because there's too much crime. There's not enough jobs uh, there. There these these low class people coming to our country are taking taking the the, the the jobs and opportunities away from the upstanding citizens already that already live here uh, there's widespread political corruption. A lot of these immigrants have no future. Uh, as soon as they step off the, sh- the shores, they're inducted into the army and sent over to, to fight against the South. And and. Uh, in this backdrop, there is it's set in this uh, called the five. The, is it the five points? Mm-hmm. This borough in New York that's being fought over by essentially the Native Americans, who they call themselves, the the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants that came over a boat before the Irish immigrants yeah. are resting control for this the slum neighborhood. And just this incredibly b- bloody lawless fighting um an orphan is made in in this 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 titanic battle, and it's Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> and he's going to come back a few years, uh, 10, 10, 15 years later, and try to exact revenge for his father's murder. Um, and he is going to, it's kind of like a departed situation, one of those themes where this, this man has to worm his way into this person's confidence so that he can strike him down at the right moment. And it's a kind of a heart of darkness revenge tale, but it's got a lot of surprising twists and turns. Um, the movie's got an interesting structure. It's got a lot of interesting historical stuff to it, and it's also got a great relationship. I think it's a real, you know, romantic relationship between Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, um, fuck, Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Cameron Diaz, thank you. Yeah. And thus, thus ends my review. So, if that sounds interesting, you should check it out. Um, all right, Jim, let's let's open up, uh, open up our open up our full coverage now.
1: All right, I think the. Th- this movie is great. I, you know, I want to preface this cause I'm about to talk about one of the things I didn't like, because it's kind of one of the first things that happens in the movie. Uh, cause I got two
0: flaws too. I got, I got some, I got some, this isn't perfect. Like you said, I feel like the editing is bad in this movie uh, or well, in spots, okay.
1: it's bad. Like there is a montage early on when, you know, Leo's doing his narrative or his narration stuff, which, which is typical of Martin Scorsese stuff, right? Like you sure. have the guy talking about his life. Um, Narrating it as as he's going about his day on a montage, we see all that. But it's switching POV, so it's a little bit different than like what Scorsese usually does. Um, but then there's also the editing where they're cutting back and forth between these multiple POVs, and then at at some point they introduce Cameron Diaz with like a one second cut to her behind like a pane glass window uh, or a stained glass window. And then they just cut away from her again and you don't see her for like another th- three or four minutes. And I don't know. I don't know why they drop that in there. Uh, it, it feels like this is them trying to do something that just couldn't they couldn't convey to me in the movie.
0: So there's a lot of Scorsese themes in this film. And one of uh, the Scorsese Scorsese themes that he likes to hit are dames with a lot of sand you know sure and i think that is supposed to be kind of because isn't sharon stone introduced in casino kind of the same way where you see her kind of Mm -hmm. flounce through the casino and it catches robert de Niro's eye and then you later find out that she's this major hustler and you fill in but like it's it's like it lets you get like this first impression that kind of is supposed to overwhelm i think the male gaze uh what is Mm. you think that's it because like i i didn't notice it as bad editing um yeah
1: and and clearly like it's it's not just oh they fucked up and put a shot in here that they didn't want in there like, right, they put it in right. there intentionally I'm just not sure what it was trying to say because it's not like it's from Leonardo DiCaprio's POV or anything it's just mm. a shot and it's brief it's it's less than a second where the camera shows a, a broken ass window and she's standing behind it but you can only see like part of her
0: and then it cuts away to like Johnny
1: doing some shit
0: for well, a few well I know one minutes. of the things about this movie was that Cameron Diaz was supposed to only be there for six weeks and they kept on inflating her part or they kept on and she kept on getting called back and extended, extended and end up shooting for six months. So I wonder, and I guess she was like really resistant. Like after the last, like I'm not coming back. This is ridiculous. So maybe (laughs) he needed a a beat or two and he, he kind of stole a, I I don't know. Um, I didn't notice that. whole sequence
1: just felt clunky to me. Like the, the, the switching of POVs while he's doing narration didn't seem to line up with the the voiceover that was happening uh, as closely gotcha. as I expect from a Scorsese movie um, yeah it just, something
0: about it just didn't feel right to me I think that um, one thing that I thought was clunky about the film let's go ahead and get all let's, let's sure. just air our we'll, our, we'll our talk about the stuff we, the we love here in a minute yeah uh, I think the double cross by his friend doesn't land and i don't know what they do because like they introduce johnny as his you know he helped him escape and he comes back after he gets out of the orphanarium or whatever and he recognizes him and kind of gets him on his feet and and catches him at the neighborhood and he plays that like oh he's going to be the best friend this is going to be like a robert de niro joe pesci type relationship that mm-hmm. then is going to turn sour over one of them again another classic uh, scorsese theme those 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 uh Ah, uh, dames with a lot of sand. They d- divide the wedge between the bros, you know. Mm-hmm. But then Johnny just fucking disappears. Like there's that scene yeah. where Cameron Diaz is doing the charity thing. I can't. The mirror, whatever, just this weird 19th century dating game bullshit is. And like, you can tell that Johnny's disappointed he didn't get picked. But then he disappears for like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And comes back and's like, I've got this information that he really. And I'm like. Okay, like they played the very. The, I needed like a five step jealousy program between him and Leonardo DiCaprio. And number one, I didn't really believe that they were that close, and I didn't also believe that he was that into, you know, or that jealous. And also just in the movie, and then he just comes back in. It felt like Scorsese needed needed Bill the Butcher to win the the first round of the conflict, so he could tell the other you know third of his movie. Yeah. But he didn't know he couldn't figure out from how to organically generate that. So it's like, oh, Johnny will come back in and he's jealous and he's been nursing this grudge. I thought that was a little bit clunky from a storytelling point. point.
1: Yeah. And it feels like they they needed more with Johnny. Right. They either needed more when they were kids um, or they needed more when they return, when uh, Amsterdam, whatever his name is, uh, returns. To yeah. to yeah, really connect the two and make me think, OK, well, these are friends that are counting on each other here it, or you see the trap, uh, but, but everything, right? but everything they're doing is necessary, right? I don't think this movie wastes a lot of time, so I can't Right? It, it's so long already. If you were to waste any time, it would be extra long and that would probably just get cut. But they needed more time on that. I think you're right.
0: That's what I said. That felt like the trap is like there wasn't connecting tissue on that plot. And it Mm -hmm. could have been like, I think the movie had improved and I honestly would be down for like a three hour, 15 minute cut of this movie. I wonder, I ought to look and see um, if there is like a director's cut that adds because it definitely felt like it was missing. And I think I would have enjoyed seeing them kind of rise up in the gang and have this secret between them. And, you know, this, this tension that like, you know, like, they play it like it's a it, they play it like that it's a leo thing that he's carrying you know like when the the butcher gets bill the butcher gets shot and he saves his life mm-hmm. and afterwards he's like i kind of like tormented like why i could have ended it right then and there yeah you know um there could have added i think a second person who's complicit with the secret but also starting to stand gain. like I know you want to kill this guy because he killed your father, but we've got a good thing going. Like we've built something beyond your father. We've moved past that. Like, why do you want to blow it up? But the trap is, this is almost a three hour movie. If you put that extra 15 to 20 minutes in, whoa, you just, you're just going to have a three hour and 10 minute movie released in 2002. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I can't remember what I was thinking about long movies back then. Well, the Lord of the Rings
0: had long. been out. Mm. But still, they weren't the extended editions, and maybe that's a more extended edition. But I felt like, man, that's a vital part, but what's stripped yeah. down to this movie is everything is vital. There's not really... Right. Uh, I mean, unless you... the I guess the thing that I would be in favor of is just getting rid of the Cameron Diaz thing, just getting rid of the romance and just have it be the gang stuff. But that's the stakes... That's what Johnny like. Johnny's got, or not Johnny? uh, Amsterdam's got this life in San Francisco with uh, uh, Cameron Diaz's character Jenny, Mm -hmm. and that is the heaven that he get to. Even now, even with as fucked up as his life and his compromise, there's a point where he rejects that because that's another that's another Scorsese theme, right? These deeply religious guys who are also deeply morally compromised. And there seems like there's always a point where they could have had the good life if they had made a fundamental moral choice here to do this instead of that. And this is Leo's. And mm-hmm. because of that, uh, you know, he doesn't. I, I, But I don't know. I think it's usually it's like the disease of more. Right. In, in those
1: in those instances, this one is a little different. Yeah. It's it's a revenge story. So, um, yeah, you have you have the opportunity where he could have got out. Uh, but he chose
0: not to because of the revenge that he needed to exact. But it turns out okay, because at the end, uh-huh. like the, 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 the city is transformed, but it's not because of the gang. that was kind of like a footnote. It's a minor part of what becomes yeah. this draft, you know, riot that gets quelled and like it becomes this, a major this... part of what the movie is trying to say about America yeah. uh, and about people, yeah. you know, and, and history. And it's kind of that's kind of adds to the poignancy too, because the whole thing about we we did all these things and these all these stories and these her, heroism and villainy, and no one will remember it. You know, I thought that was pretty profound that like graveyard that gets like less and less recognizable as as you know New York becomes yeah. more and more iconic.
1: And um, closing out with that U two song, hands the the these are the hands that built America. Um, it, it, it you know in in that like forgotten way, right? U2 isn't singing about something that everybody recognizes as you know, obvious in history. U2 is singing about something the plight of the Irish being forgotten in the importance of uh building America. Like <laughs> that's the thing. The, the song is almost ironic in its chorus. Um yeah, and you feel that. It, especially with that shot. I love that final shot with with New York being built up as as like you said the graves deteriorate and and just get subsumed by the ground.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's, there's uh, that also adds to the poignancy in watching it today is that it's not just they're forgotten in their deeds and where we came from, but also forgotten in like the lessons that we've learned because, yeah. you know, point makes this, this movie is made by different people at different points in the movie that if Bill would stop hating the Irish, and the the black uh, uh, Americans for long enough to kind of like stand up and and face the you know the obvious corruption, or if they would actually work together to achieve things um, instead of like worrying about like what's going to happen when blah blah blah, right. um, they they would be so much better, and there'd be you know so many so many less people dying, and so many more people being helped, uh, but. Every time the new cycle begins, everyone forgets about those lessons and, you know, we're, I guess, doomed to repeat them.
1: Yeah, no, that that's where, you know, th- th- I, I did get a hopeful note out of this, but I also got a, a twinge of like, uh, we've just gotten more sophisticated in the way that we manipulate people. Right. Instead of going out there and paying everyone to yeah. fight the other side um, or, you know, r- rousing th- those votes on that one side where. We're essentially making everybody's life shit and then pointing the finger at everyone else, uh, at everybody who isn't the problem and right. the divisions that don't matter. And, you know, people are buying it hook, line and sinker. And it's crazy to me.
0: And that's the thing is, like, I don't know how much of this Scorsese really intended because I, I think yeah. he um, at its core, although I don't know, he, he might have at his core. I think this is just like you said, what were the gang? I, I'm a gangster guy. I'm fascinated with this <laughs> right. material. He read this book, like I, I said in the, the opening credits, the, the this, uh, this 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 his, history book is written in the 1920s about the gangs in New York, and he was fascinated by it. I think he wanted to tell like a period piece gangster film, mm-hmm. um, and then just like history repeats itself, so it feels as prescient. But like a lot of right. this stuff, um, you know, it 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 just does feel because like even there's this hint that like. Dana Day-Lewis's character, these these native sons are so concerned with this kind of America first, like America's full. We don't need anybody pe- people. But also if you look at the newspaper, like Cameron Diaz is looking at all these crazy opportunities that are happening out West, you know, uh, with doing these minings, everybody can make you for like, there's this, all this opportunity simultaneously people like, no, 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 there's can't, no one can get in. There's all these, uh, untaken opportunities. I feel like that could be something that is happening again. Like, um, I there's this um, there's this I, I guess it's called it uh, I would call it a neoliberal project. Uh, I think it's Matt Iglesias that's behind it. He's talking about uh, um, a billion Americans that like the tw- what the 21st century needs is America to uh, reverse course and increase immigration, because in his view, there's going to be so much work to be done with global warming and implementing green technology. Uh, there's going to be so many jobs, so much technology, so much uh, need for people to do things because we're going to have so many urgent tasks ahead of us that what you really need to be strong going into the 21st century is human capital. And the countries that are like really isolationists and you can mention like Japan, who seems to be getting older and older and smaller and smaller, they're going to not be able to compete when these challenges come because they're not going to have the people to, to implement it. Hmm. Um, like, and I'm like, well, that seems crazy that America get three times bigger in the next 50 years or 70 years. And that would be a good thing. But that's I don't know. Growing like, pains,
1: You know, that doesn't come without its own set of costs, for sure.
0: That's true. But like, it does seem like there will be a lot of crises and a lot, a lot of opportunities. And I'm like, yeah. what are the modern day gold mines that we don't see? Because we are worried about too many people living here. And how are we going to afford everything? How are we going to pay the crime? The other thing is, like you saw, like these. I think it's interesting visually to point out, like how small New York was when they were making these arguments, and it's become this metropolis. And I started thinking, there's room for more than like two or three metropolises in America. Oh, you yeah. know, like New York was kind of nothing, but it was too like there. You could make bigger cities, and what is going to be the New York City that's kind that that is right now? That's going to be this metropolis a hundred years from now. And uh, we, you know, those people need houses. They'll need jobs. Uh, I just think that's it's interesting that they this movie, again, I think it's just because he made a historical thing that seems relevant or is relevant. But also like maybe I don't know, maybe he did see some of this stuff or um, because, you know, immigration, especially from the southern border, has been an issue of my entire life. Like it's been something ever since I was a kid. I remember people arguing about, you know, um, amnesty and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Um,
1: Yeah. It feels like less relevant today even though people are all are constantly arguing about it it seems less relevant than it was then so yeah it could just be a matter of these are evergreen topics evergreen points of uh pain for growing countries
0: yeah it's just i think it's it's such a great point something impressed upon me i think this movie um when I watched it, when you recommended it, it's also coincided with me kind of like um uh just independently getting to know my own family's history. And, uh, you know, something I've always picked up from my dad, like my granddad used to speak German. My dad didn't speak a word of it. And I was like, you know, how did you grow up in a household of speaking German? You need to pick it up. And he's like, well, my dad was born in 45 and two... <laughs> two successive world wars that were kind of like the germans were the bad guys yeah uh had kind of put the kibosh on having german schools and german newspapers and he's like you know they shut down the last german speaking school when i was before just before i was born and like i started realizing like holy shit german americans used to be hated and you look at the stereotypes about uh you know that we germans when they immigrated that they were like the wave after the irish uh it's it's the same thing you hear about the you know we're, we're shoeless peasants we're illiterate we're carrying disease we're uh you know we're poor we have nothing to offer this country blah blah criminals blah. all that stuff yeah criminals yeah uh you know they're 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 ruining the place and like the same goddamn story is told about every yeah. single wave of people that's coming across uh to, to form the country and, it and seems, yet it seems like every time it happens it makes us stronger hmm it does interesting it does. It yeah. does. But I don't know how you catch up to Because the other thing I found interesting when I was reading um, up on this movie uh, is that, like, almost no one right anal- now, when, when this movie came out, there was an, almost none of this analysis contemporary. Like, huh. oh, this is a big. It just seemed like it was more of like, well, this is kind of a weird uh, Scorsese crime, you know, drama period piece that says, you know, talking about it and But I just feel like people didn't feel like they could relate to it or it was, it was relatable. It was just a weird passion project from him.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like you know, the '90s were a time of like partying. It, it was like the, the excess of the '80s. You you were sort of at the after party uh, during the '80s, and then you just kind of got home during the '90s after the party, and you were just like still still feeling all right. And then the you know the 2010s, the the late 2000s, 2010s, are when we start to feel the hangover from the party we had uh so yeah maybe 2002 was not the time where this conversation would have been as relevant but
0: damn that's pretty relevant today i think a lot of things are fascinating about this movie is the way they depicted the society and the way they were like um the fire department and the police departments oh. would go to war <laughs> Over, like, like yeah. if your house would catch on fire, I heard him the, did, like, this crassiest guy in Rome that's kind of invented. He would, let, uh, when your house was on fire, he'd pull up the fire to brigade and be like, all right, you gonna pay the bill? And, like, he'd just watch it burn until you paid up. This is, like, a complication on top of that because, like, now you've got competition where well, two guys will show up and as you're... Go ahead, go ahead. And I was going to say, and the
1: payment is we're just going to steal everything you own as the building burns. We're going to get in there <laughs> right, before it that burns element. too yeah. much and steal all your yeah. shit, and then we'll put the fire out. So
0: Yeah, best case scenario, worst case scenario is we we'll are right. getting to a real-life labor dispute, which just yeah. means our the fire departments are kicking and gouging mm-hmm. and stabbing each other while your shit burns.
1: I, I was just um, like, what is the incentive to be a firefighter is this where the term firefighter comes from like literally
0: they it wasn't that they fought fires it was that they fight each right. other while fires are happening yeah with the fun with the backdrop of fires uh-huh. uh i thought that was just a and it seems like this was all stuff based in in uh in history oh my god the, now i'm picturing a uh street fighter style game
1: set in the gangs of new york universe <laughs> oh my you god you could choose a firefighter a policeman
0: a politician <laughs> an irishman the butcher a dead the barber yeah. the candlestick maker yep um <laughs> i uh the, the, the just just how closely the just how much the the corruption where it's like everyone was corrupt to where it's almost back to being a level playing field well how many votes can you generate Yeah, sure. like like it's Politics is an expression of like total, like brutal power in this movie, and it's such a eye opener. Like to the extent that, you know, what people are complaining about crime, <sighs> you know, we just probably need to hang people, uh round up four, round up four people. Like deeply, I, that was such a sad scene because I don't even know the one guy understood that he was about to die uh, when he's talking to his kid. No, and that guy. No, but the guy who's uh, like uh, Bill bought his lock, his mother's yeah. locket. He's, he's like, I'll give you a dollar for the locket. It's me mother's, a buck fifty. What? Well, he's about to go to the gallows, man. You're you're going to the grave, a buck fifty richer. What the shit? Right. Um. But yeah, it was it was bleak, and I felt like that's an... there's there's so many things I think that Scorsese wanted to say and just didn't have the time because there's something about that kind of. Um, generational aspect of things like this guy's, uh, dad was, you know, fell through the cracks and lived a life of crime. And now his son is going to be a fatherless and his mom's going to have it rough. And he's probably going to be, you know what I mean? Like these, these disadvantages compound as, as easily as advantages. And I think that's honestly, I think that's one thing that I think that people don't think of in terms, it's like everyone's like, well, you know, I should be able to do this or that because I should be able to provide as good a life for my family. Like like they they recognize that advantages compound, but I feel like people think that everyone's born with like a bl- blank slate. And, right. you know, but but if anything, I think the disadvantages compound twice as fast as people's advantages. Like poverty is, you know, just like this huge gravitational force and uh, like bigotry. And mm-hmm. back then it's like, you know, it was all based on accents and religion. Um, not on pigment of skin and unfortunately the big big tragedy is is those things are a lot more fungible you know like me and Jim are both not too far back from being immigrants like certainly Mm -hmm. uh, you know less far back than Daniel Day-Lewis's figure two generations we're just not that far Yeah, we're just we're just, uh, you know, we're just just regular white folk now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have any of that that if you didn't know our last names, you couldn't even guess where we came from. So, right. I I think that's um, another thing that I feel like is an interesting illuminating. Like, what is the what are the commonalities between the waves of immigrants and what are the the differences? And uh, I think that's kind of interesting to think about, like you know if the the whole pigmentation like if like if Germans came over to this continent and we were green I kind of still think people would shit on us because we would never you know it's like well it's like yeah it's one of them greenies you know or whatever it is I don't Mm -hmm. know why they can't keep it together we just uh, don't expect nothing of them and it's an interesting thing to think about yeah
1: I think um, you know if if the theme of this movie is that history uh, people don't learn from history and they keep Repeating mistakes. um This revenge motif f- seems to fit right into that because there's a point that, it, you know, so, so the whole impetus of this movie is Bill the Butcher kills uh Amsterdam's dad. I, what's his real name? It's Valen. It's something Valen. I, I don't know. Uh,
0: th- his, his last name is Valen, but I do uh-huh. think the kid's name's Amsterdam. <laughs>
1: Oh, his actual name is Amsterdam? His actual first name is Amsterdam, I think, yeah. Okay, anyway, so so Bill the Butcher kills Amsterdam's dad, and obviously, you know, that makes the kid want revenge, because he kills him right in front of him. Uh, The kid sees Mm -hmm. it all. And so, 20 years later, 16 years later, whatever, the kid comes back and wants his revenge, and he tries to get it, but Bill, you know, ends up avoiding it, Um, and in fact, actually, like, De- defeating him and he could have killed him. And here's where things get interesting. I think like Bill could have killed Amsterdam in that moment um, when he's got him, you know, the Johnny said, Hey, he's coming here to kill you. And then uh, he grabs him and he puts the, the knife to his face. Right. And the hot knife and scars him up. And a, a few minutes before that, there was a scene where Bill sat down with Amsterdam and said like, here's the story of your dad and what he did to me. He cut my face uh, with this razor and he wanted to me to live in shame. So he decided not to kill me. He, He decided that was a worse outcome for me. And then over time I rose up and I came back and I killed him. And when bill, the butcher does this again to Amsterdam, I felt like this was him not learning from his own history that he, he should have immediately known like, Revenge is a hell of a drug. Revenge will dominate your life and it will drive you toward an outcome. And that outcome is he's going to kill Bill, the butcher. And Bill doesn't acknowledge that uh, in that moment when he's trying to hurt Amsterdam more by letting him live with the shame of what's happened to him than actually killing him and just dealing with the
0: problem. That's interesting because I was seeing uh, I I was trying to figure out whether Bill was repeating mistakes of the past because he didn't ever describe what um, the priest did. What uh, um, uh, God damn it, uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, he never described it as doing it as wrong. He said that was an honorable thing. I wonder right. if he's like, this was a challenge. Like, oh, uh, you can't do it this way, boy. You can't do it the cowardly way. You have to do it the same way, and and almost like he. Saw this kid as a son and a protege and him trying to murder him didn't change that. Like in the scene before, he's like, you got this murderous Mm -hmm. rage and I like that about you. Um, I still think it was kind of him trying to push him to the next level. But Hmm. I also noticed that he talked about how people who stab people in the back, you know, who aren't uh, who are afraid to win in a straight fight. They're like weak. They don't. They're not real men, whatever. he, He doesn't respect them. They're not honorable. They're the opposite of the Liam Neeson guy who that he respects. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when the, uh, the 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 guy got voted to sheriff, uh, Gleason, Gleason calls him out and just tries to be the great man. And it's like, come on, let's discuss her face to face. He turns his back and Bill knifes him in the back. And that's how he kills him. Yeah. It's like he's not even maintaining his own principles and that's his downfall. So that kind of like feeds mm-hmm. into what you're saying that like, I think that's the better interpretation that Bill has just lost sight of what made him great because Bill is a great man. Um, he's angry. His head's full of a bunch of stupid ideas that are, that are wrong and are you know, that the, the, he's not on the right side of history, but like he looks around and he sees his people who have fought and done so much for the country uh, in poverty and squalor, and yeah. what is you know it, it's it's and he sees fifteen thousand people from this other country who are starving coming to the country, and he makes a connection there. He doesn't see the opportunity; he sees the danger. Yeah. And I I think that's that's interesting that they 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 set up that that he forgot what made him even great in the small way that he was, and kind of diminished himself. And Leonardo is able to use that as. But there's also, like, this, this grim futali- futility to it all. Yeah. Because the big battle, I mean, that's kind of almost, yep. it's almost a, com- a comical moment when, like, they, the big battle is all, and, and you know, they're going to set the reprise the beginning of the movie, and it's such a small part of the overall uproar about this draft and the city kind of, yeah. like, without all this partisan rancor kind of raising and... Um, yeah, I don't know how I, it feels I, I I read a little bit about
1: the the riot drafts in New York that happened um mm-hmm. or the draft riots that happened uh, at that time. and i I don't know that I agree with all of the reasons for, you know, all, I don't think I sympathize with all the reasons why it happened. Uh, oh yeah, the one that I sure. do sympathize with is this three hundred dollars to buy your way out of the war bullshit uh-huh. because because uh-huh. that's the real war that they should be fighting, right? like, and that's that's the shame of it when I see in this movie, like, You've got some someone who yes is a very violent and disgusting and vile man in a lot of ways, Bill Butcher. But like you said, he also is kind of an honorable and great man in certain other ways. When they are fighting amongst themselves, right? And there's this like petty squabbling going on over like
0: mm-hmm.
1: who killed who and whether or not you're from like the same religion I am and the same land mm-hmm. that I am and all that shit and we were here first. All that stupid stuff that doesn't matter and they're over there killing each other for it and then at the same time the bigger battle which i think actually does matter is happening and they're just ignoring it they're they're left out of it because of the stupid shit they're fighting over that's what i see and go man that's a fucking shame right like yeah i don't know i, I don't know it, it just seems like there's some some unjust shit happening that they should be fighting for and instead they're fighting each other over e- even stupider stuff
0: yeah, and you kind of alluded to that with the the the, the draft riots is that I think one criticism that um, sticks to this movie is that Scorsese made his heroes um, kind of ahistorically noble, like the idea that an Irish gang would be cool running with a a, a black man, uh, and that yeah. that 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 a big part of the draft riot was. Over the Civil War and the fact yeah. that, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to fight, but like, I don't like this cause. Like, I don't like the idea that the, the we're going to be made equal with this other class of people.
1: Well, ultimately, it was economic, right? It's, it's a thing where like, oh, they're going to
0: take our jobs, you know, that that thing. There's a lot, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There, there's that, but there's also just, like, oh, just good old-fashioned, like, the Irish weren't not racist. <laughs> they were oh, they totally. were both the objects of persecution and the people who persecuted themselves, and the fact that they had, they wrote this uh, friendship between uh, Larry, uh, Lawrence Gillier Jr. And, and Leonardo DiCaprio, and had that scene of him, like, claiming his body at the end, That's like, that seems a little bit whitewashy, but... At the same time, I can see individuals, you know, coming over and not ascribing to those things. So, like, but, yeah, a whole whole gang that's cool with it. Uh, Yeah. hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eh, Maybe it's aspirational. I do think that there's that's the other the draft riots is the other clunky thing in the movie that I didn't talk about is I know that voiceovers are a thing in Scorsese's work. The voiceover of the like the police dispatcher slash omniscient person, who's like uh, three hundred dead in the Irish neighborhood. There's Negroes being attacked in Brooklyn. Uh, like, what that is? Did was that a loss of confidence? Because I thought the visuals are were, comp- were compelling as hell. Yeah, like of showing like what kind of and it was uh, like the chaos. It, it covered yeah. all that stuff. The fact that like uh, there was. Uh, people storming and uh, tr- like, revolting against their rich overlords. The fact that there was this white animosity towards the black citizens of the uh, of this Northern city. Uh, there's there's like all of that being told visually the the struggle and the fact that like, you know, underneath it all is the the dead rabbits versus the the native Americans. Um, I felt like those voiceovers were really fucking cringy. Um Okay. and kind of like it kind of like I wish there was a like a director's version of this exactly the same way that there is for Blade Runner where I think Blade Runner is a much shittier film when it has the voiceovers and and it takes you out of it and that, I felt like it took me out of those scenes which are stunning like in their in their just oh, right. savagery and violence
1: yeah I, I agree I don't think you needed it uh, it didn't really take me out of it though I was fine with it hmm. uh, right. w- one of the small details I liked um, is when they 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 are uh Leo's been scarred by Bill the Butcher's knife and he's recovering and uh Cameron Diaz, Jenny is pleading with him to go to San Francisco, right? Start a new life, go pan for gold or whatever. And she outlines the the route that they'd have to take, which goes fully around South America. And I'm like, you're right, this is before the Panama Canal. Like you're not getting through there. That journey is going to be months. Long? A year, oh, yeah, a, a year plus. Oh, no, I, no, no, not that. How long yeah, does that take,
0: yeah. man? At the, at that time? Probably six to eight weeks. I would ask, guess. That's it. I don't. That, I think so, man, but they're sailing like the wrong direction. Because that's the other thing is, I think the winds, uh, uh, like crossing crossing South America, uh, going yeah. the other direction is like kind of a no shit thing. I I don't know. Right. But I just know that like the, the no ships of the day could sail like two three hundred miles a day. It's kind of they're surprisingly wow. fast. Okay. But. Nice. But uh, it would still be a long, perilous, fraught journey, um, yeah. especially for people who've never been on boats before. You know, this is a, it's a, it's a revenge film with Amsterdam trying to kill Bill the Butcher. Mm-hmm. But I think Amsterdam has a completely wrong idea of Bill the Butcher going into it because he's thinking, like, I'm Bill the Butcher every year celebrates the day he killed my father, that son of a bitch. because he hates him so much and he has no respect and he's like he's made the dead rabbits a uh, a, a, an outlaw name and this is maximum disrespect and as he gets into criminal organization he finds out it's actually just the opposite like Bill is celebrating each year the life that he snuffed out who is the most noble the only man he ever respected the man that made him what he is and has like a love for him Mm -hmm. that was like even obvious during at, at the day where he killed him, you know, he's yeah. like, you know, you take noses and ears for trophies, but this man goes across, he's brave, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of there's a couple of things where Leonardo DiCaprio got as a kid wrong. Um, the other thing was uh, um, the monk guy, the uh, Gleason, who's got the big sh- shillelagh or whatever, the club, oh, yeah. with the notches. Hmm they play that at the beginning. Like he's just rifling his father's pockets for the money he's owed. But then if it turns out that he actually saved the blade for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I thought that was interesting him like showing like as a kid, you get things wrong or you don't have the full understanding of. And he actually goes through this kind of pathos about what do I actually feel about Bill? You know, how is he different from my, like Bill himself says in that speech where Dan, 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 Day Lewis is sitting there draped in this, you know, torn and bloodied American flag and 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 spouting philosophy at Lido de DiCaprio. But he even mentions like, you know, you and my, you and, or me and your father were exactly the same. The only thing that divided us was faith. But he doesn't get the irony of that. Right. You know? Right. Like, it's, 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 man, he's such an interesting, he's such an interesting character, this, uh, um, this Bill guy, this it, Bill the it, Butcher. I think because he feels real, right? People are
1: full of contradictions like that.
0: They Uh, really are. Especially these people who our heads are just full of kind of like uh, it's uh, they're like, if the world were the way they think the world is, their actions would be in line. They would be the same. They would be the same voice in the room and everyone else is crazy, but they're not, they're just not. Um, But they're kind of pitiable and you can kind of understand like, well, yeah. You know, if if, uh, if if you're fighting against this evil or you're trying to fight this cause or blah, 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 and it's 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 got some merit to it, then you that's that's what makes a, a hero from a villain. Right. But yeah. they're living an opposite world. So they're not. <laughs> and I thought maybe this movie was going to be
1: e- even more romantic and not in like a sexual way, but romantic in the, in the way of like. A, a poetic story, a Shakespearean type of story um, that it turned out to be. I thought there was going to be a third act where Leo was striking fear into the heart of bill and bill was getting worried. Right. It, it and the, the reason I felt that way is because when they kill John C. Riley and they put him up in the town square or whatever, in five points, I, I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking back to the speech that uh, bill, the butcher gave to, to Amsterdam earlier about like, I have rule by fear, right? It, I think it's that maybe that same scene with him draped in the American flag where he's saying like fear is is why you see these violent outbursts, right? These great displays of violence and I put them up in the town square uh, so people can see it and know it and feel it. And I thought that he was going to turn that around on Bill, but Bill is totally unfazed by seeing this and, and it's kind of the only act that he does that was designed specifically to send that message. So I, I don't know if I was disappointed by that, that it didn't go even more
0: uh romantic in that moment, but mm. it, it surprised me. Speaking of the romance, I, I talked about this being kind of his most romantic slash erotic film. I really liked almost everything about the meet cute between the fact that, because uh, mm-hmm. Scorsese does do uh uh, a good dame with lots of sack or lots of sand uh, and sure. this is one I think was like completely sympathetic um, I think of the you know we talked about Sharon Stone's character in Casino and at the by the end of the movie she's just a pathetic creature mm-hmm. um, That's you can't say the same thing about uh, Jenny here uh, and the fact that she's so like she pickpockets Leo at the very beginning and then the, the next scene he goes into it like don't you bump me no. And goes in the eyes open and gets pickpocketed again. I just think that uh, and and the just the, the tools of the trade, like she's got the false arm mm-hmm. where it looks like she's, you know like holding her purse prim and proper, but she's got one arm free to just like just rifle through the gentleman's pockets as he's kind of complimenting her. I thought yeah. that stuff was uh, all that stuff is cute in this kind of like Downton Abbey where she um it's very uh, Oceans eleven, how you've got uh, all these different names for things, like what was it a pigeon? Yeah. Uh, there, there's like a lady pickpocket is this, but the, she also dresses as a lady's maid and just goes in these back doors of the mansions and pickpocket. Yeah. The turtle I, I really, yeah. They, they really show this as a, as a, as a tough woman. It's kind of like an equal or maybe even tougher than, than Leo, especially at the beginning of the movie. Um,
1: yeah. I, 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 and they come from a similar of- place too
0: yeah and again i haven't seen passion to christ so maybe uh jesus of nazarene and uh, uh mary magdalene <laughs> blows this away <laughs> but i feel like right this is like god sure. then there's there's some there's the, again this is this is romantic this is erotic this isn't like a blueprint for a healthy relationship having said that this has got to be one of the healthiest and e- and, and and equal relationships in Scors- in and of Scorsese- scorsese's work right i i think so
1: yeah i i mean i remember it being fun watching um I don't know Ray Liotta and uh what's her name in Goodfellas getting together there there were fun moments in that but it was yeah in the very beginning yeah 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 right in the very beginning where he's like trying to impress her at the (laughs) restaurant and all that stuff but like
0: but then there's the hiding a gun in the the flower pot and uh flushing the coke down before the feds get there and yeah getting (laughs) slapped yeah (laughs) there's all the rest of it We've always talked about that's the one of the big themes is how, you know, you, like Scorsese's one of his themes is weak men being kind of destroyed by uh, very problematic women. You know, yeah I don't think that's that's one of the uh, Scorsese trope subversions that happened in this film, because I really and a part of it is like, you know, Cam- I really like Cameron Diaz and I think uh, she's got a lot of. Uh, sand to her as well, mm-hmm. and uh, this this character really suits suits her suits her well. Because i I don't think I've seen her in a lot of things that I like. You know, I mean, I like Vanilla Sky. I think she's good in that. Yeah, she's good in that. Um, she's good in that. Yeah. The other thing is, I think I feel like I some of the stuff I don't I've seen that I didn't like. Because uh, like being John Malkovich is one I can think of. I'm like, I don't like this movie. I don't like Cameron Diaz in it. Maybe I feel differently because I watched that. Much younger, and it's one of those weird, weird movies that I think you got to be a little bit older or maybe more mature to appreciate. And I wasn't.
1: What's that uh Christmas movie with her and Kate Winslet?
0: Oh, um, The Holiday. The Holiday, I ended up liking that quite a bit. She's good in The Holiday, maybe yeah. I like her more than I, but I'm thinking, like, yeah, for as she had this huge, she was this big star, yeah, in this time period, and I'm thinking. So much of it is like the mask and Charlie's angels, which are fun. But like, I wouldn't call Mm -hmm. them great performances or, you know, something about Mary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a big role for her,
0: even though. Yeah. It's hmm. a gross out comedy. Uh That's the stuff I think of when I think of Cameron Diaz, not this stuff. But maybe, maybe, uh, like I said, I I should revisit some of these things.
1: Maybe. Uh, In that scene that you're talking about where she goes in and dresses as the maid and goes into the house. This is another Scorsese thing that he loves to do. He loves to put his family in his movies. And he actually ends up in this movie. Did you recognize that the wealthy family, that was him? And pro, pro, if I had to guess, so like, I'm not sure about this, but if I had to guess, that was him and a bunch of his family members sitting at that table.
0: I didn't, I was looking for his mother the whole time. Right, I don't he was putting this, his mom in there. But no, I didn't, I didn't see. God damn. No, I did yeah. not. That was a hilarious. nice little cameo.
1: Uh, I also Uh, find it ironic that Bill the Butcher's name is William Cutting. Because that's mm. not his name in the book. He changed it to Cutting
0: specifically Mm.
1: because he's a butcher. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I think, and he's based on a lot. So, there's a lot of these people are straight up historical figures like P.T. Barnum. Uh, You can see the early stages of his circus. There's the elephant rampaging through this race war slash draft riot at the end of the movie adds an extra level of surreality other because th- like again um it's just wild that the U.S. Navy shelled the city of right? New York as a as an effort to pacify in an effort to pacify it that's insane can you imagine bell. I can't yeah can you can you imagine a U.S. historian like launching a tomahawk at Philadelphia because shit got out of hand it's 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 crazy yeah um I want to talk about Daniel Day Lewis because this is another one where five minutes in a movie you forget you're watching Daniel Day Lewis, he's just Bill the Butcher. Yep. Um Is this I mean it's is this and There Will Be Blood for him at his most evil bastardness. Yeah. And I'm which 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 takes the cake for you? Um <laughs> They're both so evil. Um it's like, what what's temperature do you prefer your evilness? Do you prefer it, like, white, hot, and scalding? Because then it's probably Bill the Butcher. But if you like right. it, like, ice cold and glacial, then you probably like uh, Plainview. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're
1: both excellent, man. I can't really pick.
0: So, I... That the thing where he, he taps that—that's one of Bill the Butcher's craziest shit—is where he he takes his yeah. knife out, and he taps his eyeball because he's got this glass eye, and he does it a couple With times in the film. Fucking eagle in it, yeah, it's crazy. I was trying to figure out how they did that because this is the first mm-hmm. time I've watched this like professionally, and I'm like, you know, God, how? And I thought that the knife looked digital, but I read up, and there's there's two conflicting pieces of trivia. One says that Daniel Day Lewis had a custom pe- glass contact that he could physically tap a knife against. The other says that he just improvise those scenes. And I don't Hmm. feel like you can improvise a knife tapping your eyeball unless you've got the glass eye. Yeah. The chicken and the glass eye being like you can make that look like just a piece of contact, which you I'm you know what I'm saying like or maybe Dana Day is so fucking crazy they put some kind of appliance in his eye and he's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna tap it. I don't I I don't know, man, because the appliance is, is
1: more severe than most, right? They're not just trying to change the color of his eye. They're trying to blank out his entire pupil and make it an eagle shape. So maybe it's you got have a texture. to have like a yeah. thick, glassy contact in order to make that work. And he just realized, I can tap on that this would, thing
0: and it will be fine. And that would be fucking wild. But like, I'm, I'm trying to like, do you even have the, what do they call that? Uh, the py- pyro reception? Like if I, if I if I if I had a fork Could I stick it in my eye unerringly? I don't know. Like I just go there, tap, tap, tap. Like it's such a foreign thing, right? And to not blink. I mean, the. Oh, that's the thing.
1: I I couldn't do it. Certainly. I I couldn't even put that thing in my eye.
0: Oh, yeah. I can barely wear like the most comfortable. You know, I just went out skiing this weekend and I have to wear contacts because you can't do the glasses and goggles stuff. Just fog city. Hmm. I can't have con- like just the thinnest, most comfortable, jelliest contacts in my eyes for longer than six hours before I want to claw them out. Uh, and this guy's wearing like stained glass, a stained glass window in his right. goddamn eyeball. Yeah. Um, and not blinking. Uh, and this you, you look at the making of this is just the classic Daniel Day Lewis that, uh, you know, he researched the uh, turn of the century or I guess mid mid uh, 19th century uh, New York accent which feels kind of like you can see the proto kind of Bronx, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, He spent six weeks apprenticing in a butcher shop so that he could swing a night and all like all the crazy Daniel Day Lewis shit is, is definitely uh, went into making this movie. Um, But my God, like just the, the costuming uh, his vocal performance some of these scenes, I feel like you had to take a week off because you just had to shred your throat with how just bah! he is in some of this. And then he's also got like this other lower kind of whispering conspiratorial range, like when he's draped in the flag and he's talking to Amsterdam after they, he, he made it with Jenny the first time. Um, there's just so much to this this performance beyond just the physical appearance. And also there's that, too, because everyone in this film looks disgusting. They, they look like they, they've they've just ran a marathon. Their hair is greasy and slick. They're dirty. Uh, they're missing pieces of them. Uh, Leonardo Tattered DiCaprio. clothing. Yeah. It's- yeah. Like other than maybe Cameron Diaz, most of the people in this film look pretty, pretty gross. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dana Day-Lewis is among the grosser, grossest of them. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of sweat under that hat. Uh, I love, like I said, the the speech where he talks about how much he respects his dad and how there's no gangsters like that. I love the uh, the knife scene, you know, where they've established this, uh, you know, really kind of fucked up adopted daughter slash child molester thing that he's got going on. With Cameron Diaz and and he's just found out that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is secretly against him and he knows he's sweet on Jenny. So he drags her up there and does this elaborate knife show Um there's just so much villainy that he gets to sink his teeth into. Yeah, and uh, they also made a point that he has got a scene with every person, like a name person in the cast, and the i the the intent of that was this: make him seem like he's extremely well politically connected, that he knows little, literally, literally everybody. Gotcha. Um, is this? I don't know, man. It's what I. I guess this is by favorite slash second favorite daniel day lewis performance because it's this or there will be blood for me yeah i think you're right um
1: it's tough to pick between the two honestly uh i I think there will be blood is maybe the better movie overall but Mm. this thing you know this thing is almost there um and the performance from him yeah is on par with anything he did in that movie i'd
0: say I looked up did you because I I've thought that the dead rabbits is such a lame name for a a, a gang. Mm-hmm. Did you read any about the the etymology of that?
1: Uh, no. The only thing I really saw on it is they had uh, pikes with dead rabbits on them that they would use to fight with, um, and that's kind of why their gang was named that, or or at least a part of why it was named that. Is there more to it than that?
0: Yeah, so I guess that's that's definitely the heraldry that they would use, like, just like in a movie, they had these dead rabbits as a symbol, but it was uh, a play on words because in Gaelic, uh, this word rabid means uh, man to be feared, and Mm -hmm. dead is a Gaelic intensifier for, like, very. So, it's dead rabbits in English, and it's like a rabbit carcass, but in Gaelic, it sounds like, you know, men, men to be very much feared. Yeah. Which is mm, that's cool. objectively a cooler. I mean, that's like it's, oh, yeah. it, it is it, it does what it says on the tin, you know, like having a gang called the badasses or whatever. But I it's like, OK, yeah. that makes a lot more sense. The badasses. Uh, <laughs> it's a decidedly not badass name for a gang. Yeah. If you have to, it's kind of like the uh, Tywin yep. Lannister theory. If you have to tell people you're badasses and you're probably not a badass. <laughs> Um I loved all the different names for these. You had the Forty Thieves and the Bowery Boys and the Pug Back Uglies. Alley the Pug Ugly. Yeah, it's uh very anchorman. Oh yeah, You know, like th- those uh, and I guess that's probably what they're based on. But like, yeah, when they're assembling their armies and they're all checking in and they're saying, you yeah, know, we're the mother sons of. Right. I thought that was. And, and really this is one of those
1: places where Scorsese, I think, is just having fun telling this story, like, you know, running through and, and having everybody announce themselves there. When we finally get like to the part of the five points where we're seeing inside the old brewery, um and just like the partying and the revelry that goes on there. This is like the excess of a gangster movie, you think, where they go into the club and, you know, they can get anything they want. And and everybody wants to say hi and the flash and cash and women and all this stuff here. It's like the gross fucked up version of that, right? Like you've got people coming in and trading ears of their victims mm. for drinks from the all sorts barrel, which The all sorts Mm -hmm. barrel is just the dregs of the the glasses, the bottoms of a bunch of beer glasses poured into a big barrel together. It's fucking disgusting. It's one step above like drinking from the spittoon. (laughs) Yes, it's terrible. But he loves that stuff. I mean, Scorsese lives in these worlds, right? He, He thinks about these these underworlds all the time. And when you get the firefighters in the mix and the cops in the mix and they can all just be bashing against each other I, I just get the feeling that he's sitting back watching it with a big ass smile on his face
0: did you know that daniel day lewis was not martin scorsese's first choice to play bill the butcher who was
1: don't tom
0: don't. hanks get the no 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 and no. and <laughs> tom hanks turned no. it down because he'd already committed to road to perdition where he also plays a bad guy no no. But can you, because can you, because we talked about in Road to Perdition, like how wild it is to see uh-huh. Tom Hanks play. But like, and he's good at bad guys and there's bad yeah. guys. Like he wasn't that bad of a guy. He, no, he was the bad he was guy with the bad heart guy, guy, but he's gold, right? Like Bill yeah. the Butcher. No. I can't, but it would. It's one of those great what ifs because, like, how do you know that Tom Hanks could be this sure. fucking big of a bastard? Sure, he he hasn't done it, and it's like it would be it would it would be an interesting move for his career because taking like a half step towards the dark side, just going all the way over. I kind of would man, I would love. I wish there was like that he'd done a demo or something because I can't. Yeah. I'm with you. I can't. I honestly can't see it. I, I cannot no. see it. Uh, for a second, I thought you were gonna say it was like. Uh
1: I, I don't know who's the guy who t- t- did Wide Open and Waterworld and Kevin what's his fucking name? Dennis Hopper? No, no, no. The the lead in Waterworld. I can't think of his fucking name. Oh,
0: oh uh Jesus, I can't even Kevin Costner.
1: <laughs> Kevin Costner. I thought you were gonna say it was like Kevin Costner or somebody, and I thought that was bad. And when you said Tom Hanks, I thought wow, would that would have been worse. That would have been yeah. worse. There, I don't think Tom Hanks would have been as bad of an actor as Kevin Costner would have been in this movie, but the mismatch between character and actor would have been far more severe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicholas
1: Cage. How about Nicholas Cage as hmm. Bill the Butcher? I could see
0: that. It would be, uh, y- yeah. It it would it would be and a he different, worked with Nicholas Cage thing, in bringing out the dead, so sure, you know, he sure he, did. Uh, so I, the other thing I was, I because I you know obviously we talked about the, the political lessons that we've learned by watching this movie, but I couldn't help but thinking about like if I was um, an America firster today and I was watching this movie, I would maybe be thinking like how prescient this movie was from like a corruption angle of like a stolen stolen elections and manipulated elections, right? Yeah. Um, and my, for Christmas last year, Cecily got me this book about American elections and the first like 150 years like I had, um, among other things in this book, was a, a copy of every like presidential election ballot, like going back to, I think, Thomas Jefferson and mm-hmm. how they used to be literally just pieces of paper that like, uh, you know, they give you like, OK, you vote uh, green to vote for Thomas Jefferson and, and take this blue paper to vote for the other guy. Um, and how like, you know, how easy it was to just manufacture votes. Like you literally could just print an unlimited number of those papers. And like they even make in this yeah. Jim Jim Broadbent's uh, 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 boss tweed, they run out of ballots. So I was like, we've already we've already had five thousand people more votes than people who could vote in the election, and, and he's like, well, keep keep uh, getting the. He's like, we well, have run out of ballots. He's like, it doesn't matter how many ballots; it matters who's counting them. So just keep counting fictitious ballots. Right. And then, not for nothing, this was the Democratic Party that we're talking about at the time, and I just think that like, I always try to think of like, man, from the other side, this must seem prescient and scary um, for. What I th- what I what I believe is bullshit reasons, but it I think that's the danger of movies like this is it kind of plays to the fears of both sides or you don't that everybody gets the same message of it. Do you think did you did you feel like when you're watching that any of that kind of like, oh, geez. Yeah, totally.
1: Um, and, and I felt it more in the respect of like, hey, this is a perennial issue that comes up again and again. You know, the security of of elections and things like that. And we've definitely gotten better at it um but at the same time i feel like you know going into people's homes and shaking them out of bed and saying get up it's time to vote is kind of what we need also like yeah you know why don't we have it uh the fuck the census is is a legally required uh participation why don't we have that for our elections you know
0: yeah that's the thing or i i wish america more spent more time and i think this is the uh the big there's some good things about the belief in american exceptionalism um just sometimes, you know, uh, you, it makes some things possible and aren't possible because, you know, if you see that, that it's deemed impossible, well, we're Americans, we can do it, you know, go into the moon shit like that. Mm-hmm. But the downside is definitely like I do think I wish we did more looking at other countries and just objectively, well, what works better? Yeah. You know, there are countries that have dedicated holidays for voting. There are countries that have mandatory voting. There's countries that have – they, um, they all have something in common. They, they have much higher participation rates. And they also have much higher uh, subjective perceived faith in their democracy uh, when you look at the surveys about the, the people. So it's like, why don't we just do that? You know, I think there are uh, powerful
1: incentives not to do that. Um, you know, cor- we are not a corruption free government <laughs> by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And when you look at our roots, you can kind of see why. Right. Um, stuff like this. That, boy, the politicians in this movie are, as cor- are corrupt as hell. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I think there's a, a quite a bit of that left over in our existing uh, democracy today. So, yeah, there's also there's not a lot of incentive to do things better when the thing you're doing is working for the people who do it just fine.
0: Yeah, there's also this thing I, I saw this. I, I watch West's Side Story a couple of months ago, too. And that's a big theme too. Um, the fact that uh, there's this this idea that you had these public works people that would come to the five corners and it's a squalor, but it's perennially. So like you'd have these people to come in, they're handing out soup and they're like spending money and they're trying to fix problems and they're making a special enforcement for law enforcement. But the, the thing stays busted and stays fucked, which to me so what I've appreciated is that probably means there's some systemic failure that like, you can't just like it. But the same thing with West side story, the hooligans and that, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they're generationally kind of fucked and they've got social workers and they got this and they got, but nothing can get, can nothing can get better because fundamentally something in the system is, is fucked up. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, uh, because that's something that's very real. Like people are like, well, how much money do you want to spend on social services? Because it seems like no matter how much we spend, there's always homeless people, there's always, so yeah. if like an infinite number of cash can go into this machine and you still have human misery out the other, then why don't we just keep our cash? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, I I could see like people the being be- people being sympathetic to that argument watching this movie and seeing like oh well it's kind of like what Jesus said the the poor will always be the the kind of poor will always be with us which is on one side is like well it's a call that we should you know try to work really hard to eliminate it but also it's like you could be fatalistic about it like well oh, the poor will always be with us so fuck them right totally um but I thought that was and then even at the end it's like where as corrupt as Boss Tweed is. At the end of the day, when New York is lying lying in ruins, he is making a plan to get bread and food and aid to people. Right. If for no other reason so that he can get their votes to keep his corrupt regime going. But it's something, you know, (laughs) it's 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 like better than like the the, the nothing. It's better than if you like these corrupt institutions are better than not having institutions at all. Um, Or it's it's objectively good, even though you have corruption in government that, you know, ultimately you have to serve the people or you can't get their votes. Like there's there's something that's kind of tickling the back of my mind was kind of important about that, too. Yeah, no, I feel. Yeah, because he's definitely
1: doing it for cynical reasons, but it's not like it's doing no good for these people. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure where I come down on the politicians in this movie because yeah they're cynical it, it, but it, so there's something in this movie also with with mr tweed or whatever his name is where he he implies that he's doing something illegal and i can't
0: remember what exactly it is right like he's yeah yeah, yeah. what is it because is it the is it the line? Oh, oh, what I don't. But as the line you're talking about, the appearance of the law must be upheld, especially, especially when, we're when it's being it. broken. Yeah. yeah.
1: What is he doing in that scene? That's illegal because I don't. I don't recall him ever doing anything in the movie that I
0: would say is straight up illegal. It's more like well, it's just unethical votes. and shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like it's like I get. There's probably laws against fabricating votes, and he's doing. I think he's doing plenty of things illegal, like condemning people to death for. Optical well, reasons. he's working with the
1: underworld, who is doing the actual illegal. That's stuff, true, right? Like he's supporting them, and I guess he's paying them. But there's there's also yeah. a scene where he's doing some deal with some some businessmen that he dismisses right before uh, he takes a meeting with Bill. I think, um, where, yeah, I'm where he's to giving him, like a ten percent cut of something to build the yeah. city.
0: There was something fucked up, but I can't I can't remember that in particular because that was before the votes. Um, yeah, was it that he? He had, he was, um he wa- wasn't, he like, He wanted like the five points cleared or like pacified for some reason. And he's like, well, why don't you just get the cops to do it? Uh-huh. And that's when he said, because he wanted the cops to brutalize uh somebody that was causing him a political problem. And he said, well, no, you can't. The appearance of oh. the law must be upheld. Okay. So. Yeah, so it's like you've got the cops yeah. when you got legitimate things, but you want illegitimate things done. You need <laughs> to the Honestly, the, the, the politician
1: seemed like the least disturbed person in this whole movie, which um, is not what you'd say about a lot of modern movies, you know? Yeah. I feel like the focus has turned from, from that criminal underworld to, like, those systemic problems in our, our political system.
0: Well, at the end of the day, it's like – whether you've got you whether you got a fucking divine monarchy or a you know authoritarian regime or democracy at some point like you can only get so far outside the realm of what a normal person thinks is decent before you run into problems yeah because um, sometimes i was just reading an article about like you know what it's like to live in various countries that you know me as americans we might think of as authoritarian and um, most the, the the thing, the reason that like those are as stable as they are is because for most people, it's just okay. You yeah. know, like, like most people's experience living in an authoritarian regime is they go to work, they do their mm-hmm. job, they come home, they got their kids, they got their spouse, they got their favorite shows and their books and their f- friends and family. And yes, one of them might go missing every once in a while. If you take, and you, you can still talk shit about the government. You just have to kind of like keep it within a certain bounds and, you know, it's kind of like uh, that. That's it's at, at the end of the day, you have to serve the pe- every form of government has to serve the people somewhat, or it'll get toppled and overthrown. Um, sure. So, like, I think that's the the story. It's like, yeah, like this is very corrupt, and but at the end of the day, politics is for power. Like Boss Tweed won because he had more people on his side, more power. You know, in mm-hmm. um, better times, we just dissolve these over, but that, when that shit breaks down and you got corruption versus corruption. I that there's I don't know. There, like I said, there's there's a lot of these things where it's like a man. I watch I, if I watch this movie as many times as I watch The Godfather, I have a lot more thoughts on it. But I think there's something sure. there about yeah, even really corrupt forms of government. They have to they have to serve the people to some extent with those breads yeah. and the policies and the welfare and all that, or they get fucked.
1: Yeah, and if they can grease their own palms while doing it, uh, all the better. Yeah. Jim, why don't you tell the people what we're going to be covering next? Uh, it's the Truman Show, which is a Martin Scorsese film about crime and corruption. In the, uh, oh no, uh, <laughs> no, that's that Jim Carrey
0: movie uh, about being gaslit by everyone in his entire world. <laughs> yeah, this I love. I really remember liking this movie. I haven't yeah. seen it in about a decade. Um, it's one of those movies that kind of like started turning the corner with me and Jim Carrey and seeing him as just a funny mm-hmm. guy and like, Oh, this guy who's, he's gone on to do a lot of really interesting things, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. So, uh, hope you guys enjoyed our discussion of gangs, in New York, and we'll see you next week on the Truman show on bald move prestige. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you everybody.